Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I trust this conversation today may literally build a bridge between your mind and your soul. What does that mean, you might ask? Our guest today suggests it is time for higher guidance, that we learn to build a bridge to go even deeper within to access our ever higher sources of wisdom and guidance. Like many creative geniuses and visionaries, we all have the ability to access higher guidance using the soul as the portal to a universal source of inspiration. When we build a bridge between the mind and the soul, we become pioneers in the next stage of human development, bridging the physical and spiritual worlds and bringing an ever-increasing flow of divine ideas and inspiration to the world. Sound like what we need? I agree. I couldn't agree more. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Colleen Morrow is the founder and former editor-in-chief of Intuition, a magazine for the higher potential of the mind, which for over a decade informed a national audience about the emerging field of intuition development. In her new book, she builds upon this legacy by introducing a more advanced form of intuitive perception that she calls spiritual telepathy. I'm so happy to have Colleen here today. This book, Spiritual Telepathy, you know what? It is a synthesis of the best, best, best of science and the best of ancient spiritual wisdom, all wrapped up with what I would say is a step-by-step instruction manual with many practices and meditations. It is a Jules, my new favorite book. So I am happy to have Colleen here. Welcome, welcome, Colleen. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Like I said, I love this book. And what what I love about it, I even had a hard time like even imagining how we would begin the conversation because it's such an epic journey that kind of like every page has so much rich material on it and it builds on one another and it's like now mine is all highlighted and earmarked and (laughs) it's quite something but Colleen before we get into spiritual telepathy I have a, a tradition here on the show and I love to ask our guests if you could share with our listeners what does all things connected mean to you? Well, that's a great question. All Things Connected, to me, means that we have tapped into the soul level because our souls are one, the soul of humanity. And when we're able to make that connection, we understand that everything and everyone are all interconnected. We have that felt experience. Yeah, you know, this is one thing, speaking of that felt experience and tapping into the soul, you do a really good job of making intuition and this spiritual guidance seem more simple. I know it's not simple, but your writing has made it real 
easy to flow with and to follow. So I appreciate that. I'm curious, Colleen, I'm going to just start with your story. What brings you to this moment? I know Intuition Magazine, um, it was amazing. And I remember, I remember reading a couple um, different episodes of it or whatever we call it, magazines. What do you call that? Um, issue, issues. An issue. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> left my mind. I remember reading them and thinking, how cool is it that someone is just writing about intuition all the time in this magazine's here? So I love that. I'd love to hear more about your story and what brought you to this point of literally birthing this really gift to humanity with this book, Spiritual Telepathy. Well, I love to tell the story about how the magazine got started because it's such a great illustration of the experience of spiritual telepathy. I was living in San Francisco in the late 80s, and I had always been interested in the spiritual world and intuitive studies. And at that point, I had worked for several alternative magazines, and I suddenly found myself without a job, and I was trying to figure out what to do next. And I was a little stumped because I had already worked for all the magazines I liked. So I wasn't really sure what to do, and I spent my days talking to editors and looking for new magazines and worrying about money. And one morning I woke up and I decided that I needed to give myself a mental health day, that I would give myself one 24-hour period where I wouldn't think about the fact that I was unemployed. And it was October, I remember that, my favorite month in San Francisco. So I went out and bought some bulbs and decided to just putter around in my garden. And when I was puttering around, I had a type of intuitive experience that I had never had before. A thought just flashed through my mind. And I had always accessed intuition through feelings or some sort of body-based sensation. But this was a purely mental experience. It felt like words had just been dropped into my brain. And the words were the center for applied intuition. And I immediately knew that it wasn't my thought, and it certainly made no logical sense. I knew about the, the center, and I had met the founder, Bill Couts, but I couldn't imagine why I would go there if I was looking for a magazine job. It just didn't make any sense. He had a tiny two-room office, and he ran intuition trainings and sent intuitives out to do business consulting. But I thought about it, and I thought, well, the only thing possible there would be some sort of administrative position, and that's not what I'm interested in. So I took a few days to kind of mull it over. And then I thought, well, what do I have to lose? And I called him up and I told him that I'd be, I was interested in finding out more about what he was doing. And he sent me a big manila envelope. And when I dumped it out, there were several brochures and a very simple typewritten journal called Applied Psy. And this was the quarterly publication that he sent to the center's 200 members. And it was about the subjects of intuition and creativity. And as I was flipping through the pages, I thought, wow, this could be a real magazine. It would have to be spiffed up and we'd have to change the name. But I think a lot of people would be interested in these topics way beyond this tiny little membership. So I went and talked to him. And when I pitched my idea, he just lit up and said that um, he'd always dreamed about turning Applied Sign to a real magazine, but the right person had never come along. And so I went home, banged out a proposal, came back the next day, and I was suddenly launching a new magazine. We called it Intuition, a magazine for the higher potential of the mind. And I got two issues out before Bill decided to close the center and he signed the rights to the magazine over to me. And when I think about it now, I realized that I never could have gotten there through rational process. It never would have occurred to me to look him up when I was looking for a magazine job. And I got something way better than what I was looking for. I was just looking for a job and I ended up with my own magazine. And I also couldn't have seen that in the next decade, there would be a flood of information on this subject. And the magazine provided a focal point for that. 
And I published the magazine until the year 2000. And then I started to study the Aegis Wisdom teachings. And I was immediately intrigued by the subject of spiritual telepathy. And I realized that this was the next step, that it was a more advanced level of perception, a sort of a higher level than what I had done with the magazine. So it seemed a very obvious kind of next step to really immerse myself in the subject. Mm. Well, you and then you do a really beautiful job of weaving all of your experience with that topic and then pulling in you you are really a master of research. And it's like there's so much in this book. Let's start with the title, Spiritual Telepathy. Maybe you could tell our listeners what does that mean and and how did you come up with that title? It's actually um, a term that's used in the esoteric teachings. It wasn't my term. It's, it's, it's defined as communication from the subtle worlds, from our souls or from even higher levels. And communication from the subtle worlds is always telepathic. We don't audibly hear the information. It's just dropped into our brains where it's formulated into thought in exactly the way I experienced in my garden. Mm. Well, that was a great example. Thanks about just hearing words, because a lot of times when we think of intuition and we think of psychics, we have all these different ideas of how that how that works for different people. And you've done a really good job of, of showing us lots of different ways, different types of telepathy and and how that all works. So let's let's go into the you, you share three different types of telepathy in the book. Do you want to share those for us? Sure. The lowest is considered instinctual telepathy or feeling-based telepathy, and this is our gut feelings. And the second is mental or mind-to-mind telepathy, and then the highest is spiritual or soul-to-soul telepathy. And what I like about this teaching is that it illustrates the progression of our perceptual abilities from the instinct of early man to the rational knowing of modern man to the pure intuitive knowing of future man. And we're right on at that doorway now where we can take that step and start to pull in information from those higher levels. Mm. Okay, so the gut feeling one, a lot of people hear that all the time. You know, trust your gut. Oh, I have a gut instinct. I have a hunch. And they follow it. I love how you look at the progression here and you go up. One of the things that I think is really helpful, and I'm going to have you expand on this further because it, I just was having a conversation with a group of people that I work with yesterday and we were talking about consciousness and how we teach consciousness. And um, one person that I was talking to yesterday said, oh, let's don't talk about consciousness. We might alienate people or it's too heady, it's too heavy. But really to teach consciousness and also to teach intuition, to, to really bridge this and, and communicate with the soul, it's an important developmental issue in our world. And one of the things that you do in an early chapter is you talk about the evolutionary journey and you look at the different seven chakras, the seven planes of consciousness and all the different sevens. And I really love how you pull all that together for people. I think I have a quote here. As we move up the evolutionary ladder, our perceptual abilities evolve from the instinctual of the animal to the intellect of modern man to the pure intuitive knowing of the soul aligned human being, the soul aligned human being, very similar to what you just said to us. I would love to hear you talk about 
what does all of this have with levels of consciousness, the different planes? of There's so many different languages here and different traditions that you've pulled together. But what about the seven chakras and, and consciousness as an, a developmental um, evolutionary journey? Well, one thing that was really interesting to me when I started to study this is that there's sort of an evolutionary journey that's been mapped out for us from the beginning of time. And I put a lot of that esoteric stuff in the book because it described it in a very um, easy to understand way. And I spent a lot of time looking for the parallels in other traditions because it's esoteric and I wanted the book to be read by a wider group than those that were already reading this kind of material. So I looked for the parallels and I found them everywhere. And I started to understand that this is the core teaching that exists at the heart of all of our traditions. And so you look at this level of consciousness and you look at where we are now and where we're going to be going, that we've developed the physical, the emotional, and the mental body, but there's still two levels ahead of us, the soul level and an even higher spiritual level that's not talked about too much because it's said to be beyond our, our current understanding. But it shows how everything has really been mapped out. And then there's a sort of systematic step-by-step evolutionary journey that we're all on. Yes, thank you. And you did do, like I call, I you are a master synthesizer. You have done a beautiful job of taking the esoteric and then really weaving in all kinds of traditions and the sciences. And so thank you for that. So as we're looking at this, a lot of modern science, I love that you say those even higher levels that we're not talking about. Science kind of stops at a ceiling too and says, okay, we get to this level and then there's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. and I've long intuited that there's more steps, maybe even more than the two that we're not at yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, tell us more about that. And how, how do we as a human navigate this map? What does that really mean for us? Well, it means that we're sort of right on the brink, that it's said that we have um, completed the development of the rational mind, and that's kind of the highest point for where humanity is now, and that there's a step beyond that. The immediate step beyond that is to develop our higher mental faculties, and that's what this work really is about. It's a mind training process where we are able to perceive at the higher levels. We train our minds to move beyond the rational level into the spiritual levels, and that really is an evolutionary step because once we can expand our consciousness beyond the physical to include the spiritual, we've really taken a step beyond the strictly human world into the superhuman world. So we're really the pioneers, and this is a really significant time to be alive and participating in this. Mm. Yeah, you talk about the universal human. And um, one of my mentors and and friends, Barbara Marks Hubbard, talks a, a lot about the universal human and this next evolutionary leap. And I really appreciate bringing in these, this is a training process. Your book is really a step-by-step instruction manual so how all of our listeners um, can pick this up and really go through some of these practices that take us to those higher mental faculties. And right now, the most exciting um, information coming forward and um, new research, I mean, people are doing consciousness hacking. We're doing um, hacking into our flow state, learning how to stabilize this flow state. So I think this whole idea of a universal human is so important for 
all of our listeners to really understand, can you define what is a universal human and why is it important for us to understand that? I'm glad you asked that question. I was actually inspired by Barbara's work, too. Her book, From Ego to Essence, came out, I think, in 2001. I had the galleys or something, and I just went crazy over it. And so I incorporated her work into that chapter. And the esoteric tradition looks at it a little bit differently. They talk about it as a developmental process that we can um, see as we look at the chakra system, that most of us have developed to the third chakra. And that um, it's sort of a we're sort of a mixture of animal and, and divine. And so we've we've developed our first three chakras and we're right at the doorway to develop the fourth, which is the soul, excuse me, the heart. And I think that's why there's so much emphasis on the heart right now, that the heart, when we start to open our heart and have that chakra fully functioning, that's when we start to understand our universal nature. We draw closer to our souls and we understand that everything and everyone is interconnected. So the heart is really the borderline between the three more animal-oriented chakras and the three higher spiritual-oriented chakras. So again, it's a really significant time that we're at that doorway. Yeah, I think the heart as a doorway to these higher levels is a really important um, literal literal step but also this beautiful metaphor for us of really moving through the heart and we're we do hear heart everything right now right but Mm -hmm. when you talk about it you're talking more than just compassion more than just you know opening our heart to love more to connect to create resonance with other people it really becomes this um stepping stone into those divine dimensions right Exactly. We can't really start to um, operate with our higher mental faculties until we've opened the heart, because the higher mental faculties are all related to these higher spiritual chakras. So that's really a step number one for all evolutionary pioneers to really pull their energy up from the third chakra to the fourth. Mm. Well, let's just take a moment there, because I think this is important. You just said, pull your energy up from the third chakra to the fourth. Can you give us a practical, maybe a a meditation or a practice idea, or what are we talking about here? How do we move from that third chakra into the fourth? That's a great question. That's a great question. One of the things we do is just our own service activities, our own reaching out and helping other people starts to pull up that energy. But there's definitely practices that help this. And I've had really wonderful life-changing experiences with these practices. And this is a little story I'll tell. One of the things that I talk about in the book, and I devoted a whole chapter to it, is the need to quiet our minds and emotions to be able to pull information down. Because if we have mental or emotional static happening in our life, it actually repels the subtle currents of thought coming from the higher levels, and it doesn't reach the brain. The brain is the receptacle. It has to reach the brain to become part of our conscious awareness. And I went through a period where I had a terrible betrayal by someone that I was close to who I trusted completely. And it was somebody who wouldn't talk things out with me. So I had all these pent-up feelings, and I woke up every morning just enraged, wanting to punch her in the nose. And it was such an issue for me that I started to work with a spiritual healer named Stephen Lumiere. And he's a wonderful man. And he sort of grasped the whole issue right away. And he gave me a prescription of sorts. He wanted me to do three meditations a day, compassion, loving kindness, and forgiveness. And morning, noon, and night, 
And so I did those three meditations every day, day after day after day. And I really started to quiet down. And one of the most wonderful things that happened is my heart really started to open. And I didn't really notice it at first, but I realized how this energy was just sort of slopping over into all areas of my life, improving my relationships, making me a much more tolerant and forgiving person. And it really was life-changing for me. Mm. I like that example. Thank you. That's a real good concrete one. Those practices are in the book. Um, there are many, many different practices and beautiful meditations in this book. It's it's full of really practical, easy step-by-step instructions. So you're talking about the emotional body here, and I, I want to bring this in because you talk about this too, um, the differences between the emotional body, the physical body, and the mental body, but really how we stabilize and calm the emotional body to even get to these higher mental faculties that you're talking about. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. And this is something that um, Jack Kornfield talks about a lot, too. And I found this very interesting. He tells this story about how when he first started to teach meditation, he discovered that fully half of his students were unable to master even the basic concentration exercises because they had so much unresolved uh, emotional issues. And this is what I found, too. The quieter we become, the easier it is for any, anything unresolved to come bubbling up and get in our way. So it's a process of clearing out that many of us need. And I did a whole round of uh, therapy with an EMDR therapist that was very helpful. But we have to kind of clear that old stuff out before we can really quiet down enough to quiet the mind and access information from the higher levels. Mm. Some of us need therapy. Yeah. As a therapist, I will agree there's sometimes so much clutter in there and, and it makes it difficult. We get triggered often. Mm-hmm. You, you also talk about the physical body and really clearing that, preparing ourselves for intuition is really about taking good care of our physical body. That's right. And there's really no one size fits all. I'm not recommending that people follow a vegetarian diet, although I started to gravitate towards that. You really have to tune into your body and your body will tell you what it wants, what it needs. But you have to start to pull up the vibration so it more easily matches the vibration in the higher world. So it is a process of making sure that you get enough sleep, that you don't overwork, that you eat the right foods for your particular body. Mm, Perfect. Alrighty. And then do you want to say anything more about how do we prepare our mental body to develop this higher this higher intuition, this connection with the soul? Well, it's through meditation, but it's kind of a process where we start at the bottom. In many meditative disciplines, they kind of start with the mind, but it really makes more sense to start from the bottom up, to really stabilize the body, stabilize the emotional body. And once we're quiet enough, then we can start to stabilize the mind. So it's basic uh, concentration practices. So we can create a tool. The mind can be the tool that we use to explore the higher worlds, but we have to make it our servant rather than our master. And that takes a concentration practice where we learn to hold the mind where we want it to go. What's your favorite meditation practice that you could teach our listeners in the, in the next minute or so before break of what's it, what's your favorite or, or maybe the most popular that, that you've come across that's really effective for, for people in stabilizing that mental peace? 
Well, there's a basic meditation practice, which is called creative meditation or Raja Yoga. And this meditation goes beyond quieting the mind. That's kind of the first step is to be able to hold a focus. And when you can do that, then you can go a step further and actively train your mind to transmit information from the soul to the brain. And what I like about this is, is that it's active. You're not just sitting there. And many people have told me they like that same thing about it. But it's kind of like um, Comcast. When Comcast comes over and wires our home for internet and telephone connection, we're really creating the threads and cables that link us to the higher worlds. And we do this by projecting our attention upward to the soul day after day. We visualize the soul as a star about six inches above our head. And as we make this connection day after day, we start to anchor small threads of energy that eventually create a a kind of symbolic bridge between the mind, the brain, and the soul. And this teaching is also everywhere in our spiritual traditions. It's called the Rainbow Bridge in the esoteric tradition. It's called the Antakarana in the Hindu text. And I even found it in the Bible. It's called the Straight or Narrow Gate in the New Testament. Mm. Well... Colleen, I just want to pause into all the wisdom that you're sharing. There's so much here and there's so much more yet to talk about. This book is a treasure. So listeners, if you're curious about that Rainbow Bridge, we're going to talk more about that. Have you ever imagined the soul as the kingdom of God? Kind of an interesting idea, huh? We're going to talk more about that as well and our personality. What is the difference between our personality and soul? And maybe even access some ancient techniques for the wisdom of our soul. So we're going to take a quick break. We're here with Colleen Morrow. We'll be right back. or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul. Calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring a white, gray, brown, black brindle. Simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. 
And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, in math, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. Trash. And in gym, in biology, I learned that I'm pathetic that I'm fat and a joke. And stupid. In history, today, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In, biology, in English, I learned that I make I people sick. And, in and at lunch, I learned that I sit I on my own because I smell. And in chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, chemistry. I learned that I'm fat and stupid. In English, and in math, that I, make I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Positively uplifting. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe just listen to it again. You can do that by visiting our website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a list of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I always appreciate your feedback, your messages. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support out there. And we are talking today with Colleen Morrow, the author of Spiritual Telepathy. If you want to find out more about Colleen and how to get a hold of her book and what she's up to, you can go to spiritualtelepathy.net. Again, it's spiritualtelepathy.net. Colleen, before we go back to the topic here, I'm curious, um, what are you up to now? What What's happened since you've released this book? It's beautiful. Are you teaching or what are you up to? I'm starting to teach now and I've never been a teacher before. So this is a new thing for me. And I'm also working on a new project, which is a startup. So I can't talk about it too much, but it's related to meditation and nice. uh, it'll be launching sometime this spring. Good for you. Good for you. Well, like I mentioned, this book is a synthesis of all of the best. So listeners, if you're curious, it really is a helpful, resourceful book. And and wow, I'm, I'm impressed, Colleen. You did an excellent job. I hope you're going to write another one. Yeah, I am. It was a really hard book to write because the source material is so esoteric. Yeah. And that's why I went that extra step. And I actually worked on this for years. I really devoted a big chunk of my life to this. I went that extra step to um, look at all the other traditions and try to find validation because I thought that it would make it more credible to the people that are not really already attuned to esoteric information and to look at how the science is backing it up, too. So I wanted it to, to reach a, a much wider audience than those that are already reading these kinds of books. Well, I think that's what I appreciate the most about this book, Colleen, is that because of all that hard work, and I know I, I started writing a book like that because my my 
academic mind thought I needed to to really cite everything and write like I was working on my dissertation, you know, and it's so much work to pull it all together. But you do it, it and I know it doesn't probably feel like with ease, but in reading it, it's with ease. It's easy on the mind. It's easy on the eyes, like literally our um, you, you take us into different religious traditions backed up with science in the same paragraph with some of the esoteric traditions. It's really, um, really well done. I can't say enough about that. Okay, so you are introducing, though, some rather esoteric type of terminology here. And many of my friends and I talk a lot about a need for vocabulary because our vocabulary is so difficult when we're talking about really this is our evolution of consciousness and the evolution of humanity and and we're we're right here you know and and yet how do we bridge the gap between the you know mass consciousness on the planet that's that's still in that maybe personality and like you're talking about with the lower three chakras so Maybe I'll just pause and let you respond to that. How, from your perspective, and you, you know, you had the esoteric, you had the magazine for over a decade. What, what do you recommend in really reaching the general public with this kind of information? Well, one of the things I wanted to do was translate it from that um, really arcane esoteric language. Most of this information is in that form. And I found that very hard to do and very time consuming because I would have moments or minutes and hours of just sort of sitting in front of the computer sort of stuck and trying to figure out how to do it. And so that was part of why it took so long. It actually took 10 years to write this book. But Mm -hmm. that was really important to me because that's really off-putting to a lot of people. There's not that many people that are going to plow through those those heavy-duty esoteric books. And I actually had... I had many of them for years, and I never really had time to read them. It was only when I had this quiet period in my life that I was able to do it. So that was very important to me to be able to translate it into easily easily understood English and also to create that step-by-step program and make it really practical and have interviews with people who have been touched by these teachings because it's mostly presented in theory. So I wanted it to be really practical, really step-by-step. Well, thank you. It, you know, you... It is in theory, and what you've done with the practical step-by-step is you kind of show us how that theory is made real, and and it's so easy to just follow you with that. So, reaching the mass general public, um, is it important now? We've got so much going on in our planet, on our planet, and so much is changing. We're in transition. Can this information be helpful to the general public? I think it can. And I'm glad that you asked that question. Because in so many of my interviews, I talk about the evolutionary aspect of this, that this really is an evolutionary step. But really what it comes down to is how practical it is and how necessary it is now. Because we live in such turbulent and unpredictable times that we need this source of guidance. And the soul is our highest and most reliable source of guidance. The soul knows our higher purpose. And so many of us are yearning to make a contribution. And we're all here to do something. And it's that connection to the soul that really helps us to understand what it is we're here to do. Mm. And also, and one other thing I wanted to say is that 
because there's so much strife in our life and our world that another thing that's really important about this is that, as I mentioned before, when we start to tap into that soul level, that's when we start to understand that we're connected with everyone and everything. And you can imagine how that would change the world if a critical mass of people made that connection because war seems ridiculous then you can't war against your own family or against your own body if you have that sense of interconnection it changes your consciousness about everything Mm, thank you yes i am in complete agreement with that and i think that um, just even when we start talking about our soul everyone can really attuned to that and go, oh, our soul, of course I want to connect with my soul. When we talk about intuition, I think most of the general public would say, well, yeah, I want to be more intuitive. Um, they might say, I'm not intuitive, <laughs> but but if we say, here's a practical here's a practical application of a step-by-step guide for you to, to develop that, I th- I think they can respond. So so thank you for that. Let's let's define what's the difference between personality and soul or the ego and the essence of who we are how would you define those two things well personality is considered to be the human part of us our emotional mental and um our physical emotional and mental bodies and the soul is the repository of our many lifetimes of experience the soul is always with us and it puts down a little spark of itself into the physical world so we can grow and get the lessons we need to eventually become divine so it's kind of our overseer sort of our internal gps and when we can make that more direct connection then we can just be flooded with information that we sometimes get a sense of but it remains too nebulous so that connection is is just this highest sense of guidance that we can we can create for ourselves. I'm going to talk more about. I want to talk more about that connection with the soul. But first, you had mentioned earlier in the show as well um, these levels of soul and spirit. So how would you define spirit? Well, it touches on something that you mentioned before, the kingdom of God. If you look at this model of seven levels of consciousness, that the, the step or the kingdom beyond the human kingdom is the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of souls. And this was very interesting to me because I grew up Catholic and we're told that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is an after death heaven where we go to be with Jesus if we behaved ourselves according to church law. But what becomes clear when you start to read this um, esoteric information is that that's not what Jesus was talking about. He doesn't say that. And I actually read the New Testament for the first time. Grew up Catholic, you don't, you don't read the Bible. And it was very clear what he was talking about. He was talking about the kingdom of God as the soul, that that's really the next step beyond the human experience. And that it said that his it was his task to anchor the first threads of the kingdom of God on earth. And it was really the focus of his ministry. And never does he say it's an after-death heaven. He talks about the kingdom of being not of this world and not accessible by flesh and blood. But he states that the kingdom is within our midst and it's all around us. We just can't see it. And the one prayer that he suggests people do is the Lord's Prayer, which includes the words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's said that the um, the spiritual um, task of humanity is to make that connection, to bring heaven to earth. And that's really the deeper meaning of the marriage made in the heavens that's talked about in the New Testament. 
You have a whole chapter on that in the book, and it's really brilliant how you bring that out. I really appreciate that. So you're talking about these threads and this kingdom, the, the soul as the kingdom of God, and I love this, as heaven on earth here. And we're talking about connecting with the soul here, right? Before the break, you mentioned the Rainbow Bridge, and you you have a whole chapter on building the Rainbow Bridge in your book. And I'm curious if we can talk about this now, like, what does... What is that practice of connecting with our soul? You talk about some threads that create this rainbow bridge, and, and I'd love to hear hear you explain that to our listeners. Well, it's a daily practice, and it's really important to do this daily. And I had as much trouble with discipline as anybody could be, so I wrote that. I outed myself <laughs> as a slug who doesn't want to get out of bed to meditate, because I figured if it was true for me, it's true for a lot of people. I'm not a morning person. I'm, in fact, I'm probably as far from a morning person as anyone can be. And most of my life, I was involved in magazine publishing, always on deadline. So I always had to jump out of bed. And, and finally, I had this quiet period where I could honor my own rhythms. And I didn't want to wake up and start training my mind as soon as I opened my eyes. I wanted to have this leisurely morning, which meant so much to me. I like to wake up slowly. And um, so I tried all kinds of different things to get out of basically meditating first thing. And what I found is if I took the time to enjoy my morning, I, I it was too late. I was already thinking too much about the day ahead to really be able to quiet my mind. And so I sort of made a deal with myself. I tried a lot of different things. And I made a deal with myself that I can stay in bed f- for about 20 minutes, read the paper and slowly wake up and then I meditate. And so it's very important to do it in the morning before your brain starts to get activated because it starts to, as you go through your day, it starts to get sort of more pumped up and, 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 um, you know, have a more intense vibration. You need your, your brain to be quiet. So we do this practice day after day. And essentially what we're doing is we're creating this bridge in a, in, in, this sounds a little esoteric, but it's in a mental matter that really is um, not found in the physical world. It's a more subtle kind of matter. And so as we project our attention upward day after day after day, we make this connection. And um, another thing that happens is that at the end of the meditation, we ask that soul light pour down over our lower bodies. And this had a really significant impact on me. And I've never seen this written anywhere, and I've never heard anybody else talk about it. But I think it's a subtle energetic process that happens, that when we start to incorporate the soul light into the physical body, it starts to speed up our evolution. And what I found is that my heart started to open even more, I got even more tolerant, and I just started to look at things from a higher perspective. So you're making this connection day after day. And even as you struggle with getting your mind quiet, you're still accessing the soul level, the soul energy day after day. And so, again, we visualize the soul as a star about six inches above our head. And as we do this, we start to anchor that those threads of energy that will essentially form a bridge. And one of the things we use in this meditation is a seed thought, which is a sentence, a symbol, or a word. And we keep our mind focused on the seed thought. And that does two things. One, we're training our mind to hold a focus where we want. And two, we're starting to look beyond at the deeper meaning of whatever the symbol or sentence or word is. And in doing that, we're starting to train ourselves to think more abstractly and that abstract energy more easily sort of matches the energy of the higher worlds 
so it's it's a really sort of slow, subtle process of training the mind and making this connection day after day after day. People have told me, and I have experienced this myself, that if you goof off, even for a few days, it starts to dissipate because it is so subtle and you have to kind of build it up again. I kind of think of it as a groove. It's like, a you know, sort of a groove um, that sort of moves above the sort of physical matter to make it easier to have that direct connection. Hmm. So thank you for that, Colleen. I think that's so informative. And I'm wondering about, um, so if the, if the kingdom of God is within as well, we've got these three different types of telepathy. And I'm wondering, we've talked about the gut feeling and then the mental and then the soul connection. How do the three of them work together? How do we balance and flow all of this sensory perception with our higher mental faculties and and the soul level and this guidance that's always, always right here, right now. Well, one thing I found very interesting in studying this is this progression of perceptual abilities that we talked about earlier. And that when we, when we develop the next higher level of perception, the old way doesn't disappear. It just goes, it drops below the threshold of our conscious awareness. And a lot of what we did in the 90s was teaching people to honor that there's a, a, a non-rational way of knowing that our gut feelings are there, they're operating kind of underground, and they're giving us important information. So it's said that when we start to develop these higher mental faculties, that our rational way of knowing will also start to fall below the level of our conscious awareness, still there, but we'll really start to access information primarily through intuitive means. And it's said that this is really the new and true science of the mind, and that at some point in the not too distant future, this will be part of our educational process. And I thought this was very interesting, too, when you think about all the new kids that are coming in and how they have to be medicated to fit in our current educational system where they're learning by rote. You know, they literally have to take these ADD medications because they're more tuned. I think their brains are a little bit different and a little bit more evolved. They're really more tuned to bringing in this higher level of um, intuitive information. So they're sort of the guinea pigs, you know, sort of the first wave of this new way of learning that will develop over time. Thanks, Colleen. Are you, are you, so when when I heard you, I was thinking about a computer that gets an upgrade. It's kind of like as we move through these different developmental stages, um, the rest of the the machinery is still there, but we we get a upgrade in the software or the hardware or whatever, and we're using the higher functioning um, soul level. Is that was that a good analogy? Exactly. Exactly. And that's an interesting observation about the kids. It can is everyone intuitive? What what do we know about this? Everyone is intuitive. Well, we all have our gut feelings. We've developed that level of perception long ago. So yeah, we all have a non-rational way of knowing that we need to pay attention to. And again, that was so what was so important about the work we did in the 90s was really allowing people to to validate that. Because when you think about how things shifted and the, the, the rise of the scientific worldview, rationality was everything. And the old ways were considered superstitious and silly. So we really 
learn to discount that and to really start to believe that everything that we needed to know could be accessed through our mental faculties. But, you know, something can really look good on paper, but our, our gut can be telling us to beware. So it's a really important level of information that we need to have access to. Mm. Well, I know some of the fascinating research that I've been looking at lately is looking at the neocortex and this is the rational mind, right? And this is the Mm -hmm. place in our brain where we feel and experience ourselves as separate from other things that, that we have these boundaries. But when we literally get out of that rational mind, get out of the neocortex, we can more easily get into the oneness with all things. And so it's it's funny because the most rational people are the ones that will argue and say, I'm not intuitive. And and that but they really are grounded in that neocortex or, or frontal lobe of their brain being very rational and 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 how do we so here's my question, how do we learn to use our brain and our rational ability, our beautiful cognitive gifts in balance with this? Is it a flow once we begin to connect with the soul, all this information flows and then we use our brain um, to problem solve? Or how do you see it? I see the brain as the uh, sometimes called the divine receiver. It's the receptacle. It's kind of our personal aspect of rationality as opposed to the mind which is part of the greater collective and so we pull in the information it drops into our brain that's when it becomes um, part of our rational knowing and what's interesting to me about this is that once we're able to do this channeling and mediumship become obsolete we really don't need the middleman we can go direct and the mind becomes like our personal google it can extend out into the cosmos gather information then drop that information into our brains i love that thank you i love that so so here we are with this you you also mentioned i am right on board with you with not needing the medium or the the middleman and mm-hmm anymore so we're talking about you talked about the noosphere a little bit in the book and you just talked about the collective consciousness what's the difference with us going direct like this and how what's the role of the noosphere or the collective consciousness well that's a great question and it kind of leads to something i stumbled over and it's about a genius that it said that um, again our brains are local and our mind is non-local that there's information, all information, past, present, and future is out there and available to us. We just have to know how to act, how to tap into it. And this is something that um, I started to understand more when I started to look at the people that we call geniuses. There was a book written way back in the 80s called Higher Creativity by Willis Harmon, who was the president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And I love that book. And in this book, he looked at the biographies of many artists, writers, composers, and scientists, and discovered that their greatest achievements came from an intuitive breakthrough. And so 
before I started to write, I reread that book and I started to um, investigate his original sources. And when I started to read the full text of these interviews, a very interesting pattern emerged that these people that we call geniuses or visionaries were talking about their creative process in exactly the way it's explained in the wisdom teachings, that it's through the soul that they had access to the universal or divine mind where all information is located and they could pull that down or appropriate it. A lot of people use that word appropriate. They can pull that down into the brain and then use it for their own individual needs. So that was their their kind of inspiration was making connection with the soul and then opening to the universal mind and pulling down that inspiration. And I saw this over and over and it was very exciting to me the way that they explained it it, because it was so similar across all kinds of disciplines. Um, I read a book called Talks with Great Composers and many of them Puccini, Brahms, Strauss, Wagner talked about it in exactly this way. We have a lot of quotes from Einstein, which talk about how he pulled in information from the higher levels. So it it became clear that this is what genius is, and it's not a rare and random event. They're not different from us. They just have this ability to do this, and it's something that any of us can train ourselves to do. So we can imagine what we can bring to the world if we can start to pull in these higher levels of wisdom, of beauty, that we can make this incredible contribution. Mm. Now, just listening to you again, I just want to remind our listeners how it's you you make things so easy to understand and you're taking these really big concepts and esoteric writings and wisdom from all the great traditions and science and you're weaving it together and it really is a step-by-step instruction manual with amazing practices. So I just want to remind the listeners we're talking Today, with Colleen Morrow, the author of Spiritual Telepathy, you can find out so much more on spiritualtelepathy.net. So, Colleen, we have like three minutes left. I'm wondering if there's anything that we haven't talked about that you would really like to leave with our listeners today. Well, one thing is about how the science is starting to validate this. In the esoteric tradition, it tells us that our brains start to to change by the downflow of this subtle information and subtle energy from the soul. And scientists are coming up with that same idea. They're seeing this on their scans, that contemplative practice, and they talk about it a little bit differently, but contemplative practice and meditation actually are changing our brains, and we're becoming more receptive to these higher levels of information. That's exciting to me that these two worlds are coming together. Yeah, just bridging all of that science and, you know, and it's not woo-woo anymore. You know, the esoterics were like woo-woo, but the science is just really validating and affirming and then literally digging in deeper to some of the wisdom traditions and and all of our major religions. I think you mentioned all of them. You even quote scriptures and sacred texts from all of them in the book. It's so exciting to go, yeah, this is what we're talking about. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I love talking to people who totally get this information. It's really a pleasure. Oh, thank you. You know, I I could have just talked a lot more. I wanted to hear your words and I want to hear you teaching this because, um, and I keep repeating myself how, how the book really is so simple and nice, but Colleen, this has been a real treat to talk about this. And I, I do hope our listeners will pick this up. It is 
It is so yummy. That's all I can say. It's just so yummy. So thank you for contributing this to our collective consciousness on the planet. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. Oh, it was my pleasure. And I just want to, again, remind our listeners, we're talking with Colleen Morrow, spiritualtelepathy.net, and the book by the same title. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'd like to thank you for tuning in with us today. And remember, together, we're creating connections for the good of the whole. So until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <music> 